Good morning and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. For over 60 years, East Central Illinois' daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join in on the phone, online, or via a text. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. 217-351-5357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. And good morning, everybody. Penny for your thoughts. News Talk 1400 on this Wednesday, October the 10th. Good to be with you at 9.06. Happy birthday to my mom, Arlene Barnhart, with a birthday today, October the 10th. Happy birthday, Mom. want to start off with the most important things of all. Lots of things to uh, talk about today on a penny for your thoughts. Great to have you with us wherever you might be listening. We know we got people in their cars at work, running around, working outside. Been raining this morning, so maybe not working as much outside today. We also stream, of course, WDWS.com. A lot of you listen that way. We appreciate hearing from all of you at different times uh, during and after shows. So always great to visit with you. And uh, glad you're with us. We'll be with you two hours today, 9 to 11. We're going to start at uh, 9 o'clock here in this first hour, just after the first break, with Don Owen, superintendent of Urbana Schools. Lots of news, of course, coming from Urbana Schools here in recent weeks and lots of other things happening with the school district. So we'll talk with Don Owen, the superintendent here, coming up just after our first break. In the second hour, some open line time. Of course, the hurricane moving ashore in the uh, Florida panhandle. Got some relatives down there, I know. They'll be keeping an eye on that. And, of course, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, that uh, story. We'll see how long they want to stick on that with uh, covering that story. But he had his first day on the job yesterday on the U.S. Supreme Court. Lots of interesting stories related to that. Nikki Haley was the big story yesterday, going to resign from her position as the ambassador to the United Nations at the end of the year. Considered a rising star in the Republican Party and also in the Trump administration. So uh, that was big news from yesterday. And, of course, some sports, baseball playoffs. The uh, four teams are set now for the championship series. The Yankees, yay, got eliminated last night by the Red Sox. So it's Red Sox and Houston. And we've got, uh, what, the Brewers and the Dodgers in the National League. So baseball uh, rolling on, college football this weekend. Uh, Later on in the show today, we've got a homecoming talk with a couple of gentlemen from the uh, Alice Campbell Alumni Center. Talking about a couple of events going on this week that you can be a part of. So we'll tell you about that towards the end of the show today. We'll start with Don Owen. We'll have open line time and then some U of I alumni news at the end of the show. We'll take a break. Get it started after this on Penny. on Penny for your thoughts. News Talk 1400 DWS. Uh, You've heard about Woods Basement Systems for years. Since 1986, the Woods family's helped over 55,000 homeowners. If you have some issues with a basement or crawl space wall cracks, uh, the foundation walls of your home, what's lurking in the dirt crawl space? Well, mold, pests of all types and smells. And if you're looking for help in any of these areas, we had a leaky basement earlier this year with all the water saturated through. It uh, started seeping in. We contacted Woods Basement Systems. Did a great job for us. And uh, so for all things basement-y, call this area's highest-rated, most-reviewed contractor, Woods Basement Systems. As we head for the winter, now might be a good time to get some of these things checked out. The uh, issues do not go away. The cracks get worse. 
if you ignore them. Any problem gets worse, and they keep stealing value from your home until the cause is fixed. 888-935-4333. Go online to woodsbasementsystems.com. That's the website, of course. And again, you can get a free estimate. The estimates don't cost you anything, so maybe the fear of the unknown, what it might cost, you can get that checked out for free. All right, 356-9397 is our phone number. You can text us, Castle Heating and Cooling text line. That's always open, 3515357. And you can email us, talk at wdws.com. And here joining us today on this Wednesday is the superintendent of Urbana Schools, Don Owen, with his purple bow tie. Yes, uh, Alan Page uh, <laughs> Education Foundation from my home state of Minnesota. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, I'm reluctant to say I'm a Vikings fan in this <laughs> area, okay. but but I that's where I grew up. So, yeah. uh, thank you. It's uh, it's great mm-hmm. to be here. I appreciate the appreciate the offer. Mm-hmm. And we were talking a little bit earlier. Uh, your voice is very good. You you did some radio work, huh? Yeah, just a ago. little bit in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, but I, I appreciate being on here. And uh, as as uh, we were talking about earlier too. I'm happy to talk about what's going on in schools. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get to all of that. Any questions uh, for Don Owen, feel free to give us a call, uh, text, or email. Uh, how long have you been with Urbana? Uh, I started in 1989 as an after-school child care uh, psych coordinator at Wiley Elementary School. And uh, also did some substitute teaching in both uh, Unit 4 and District 116 and uh, landed my first full-time job on Halloween in 1990 at Urbana Middle School. So taught U.S. history, government, uh, the Constitution for um, almost 15 years at Urbana Middle School before mm-hmm. moving into administration. So you're kind of a lifer. I am. Way. I am. Yeah. I, I love Urbana as a district and as a community. Um, you know, I have uh, one kid that graduated from Urbana, one that's a senior right now. So, And, of course, for a long time, Preston Williams yes. was a superintendent. Uh, he actually hired me yeah. uh, when he was assistant principal at Urbana Middle School. Um, yeah. He was on the interview team that, uh, that uh, offered me that first job. Don Owen is with us uh, for this hour. Uh, of course, there's been a lot of talk about the um, restorative practices yeah. discipline system. And let's kind of widen the microscope here a little bit. Tell us what the system was before sure. with deans, how far back that went, and then why the change to this. Yeah. We'll so, just kind of so, let you go whichever way you want on that. Right. Um, I could go back. I, I'm also a histor- historian, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, And so I... I uh, I know I sometimes get get deep into the history. I'll, I'll try and um, focus on recent history, but uh, yeah, deans actually were were implemented in Urbana um, back in the mid '90s um, as just kind of a way to help administrators deal with discipline issues. Um, and over time, uh, both schools kind of added on um, their the number of deans that they had and kind of uh, expanded that system. Uh, to the point where we had uh, three deans at the middle school and three deans at the high school. And um, as we moved towards a more restorative system, which actually started about two and a half years ago, um, we implemented some restorative circles for conflicts at uh, the middle school and high school. Uh, We had extensive training uh, with both students and staff um, in both buildings. And we did some parent workshops uh, starting over two years ago about um, conflict circles and how uh, talking through the problems actually is a much better way of resolving conflicts in the long run than just having a, a punitive or exclusionary discipline consequence uh, for something like a fight or physical aggression. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the restorative practices piece isn't new. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the the uh, kind of 
more radical shift because it really was. We, we were uh, looking at ways of really pushing ourselves and our district forward um, because we were seeing that even, even though the restorative practices was working, our discipline numbers were going down, our, the number of days to students were out um, or even referred out of classrooms were going down. Mm-hmm. There was a group of students that still wasn't having access to uh, restorative circles. And there was a group of students that was uh, disproportionately um, more likely to be uh, suspended out of school or brought up for expulsion. And those were our African-American students, our Latino students. And as we moved into a restorative system, that gap grew wider and wider to the point where um, the the last major data dig that we did, which was uh, in the December of um, of 17, uh, almost all of our students who were suspended out of school were students of color. And that is not what Urbana Schools is about. Um, and so we said, you know, we need to, we need to really radically shift some systems. And, and I will, I, I've taken full responsibility for the communication of this rollout quite a bit. I, I will address a few of those things because, you know, one of the common narratives out there is that, you know, we fired the deans. Well, we, we didn't fire deans. We restructured positions. Um, in fact, um, out of those six, six deans, um, two are still in similar roles in terms of uh, working in restorative uh, spaces with, with students. And, um, and what we have, five out of the six are still mm. at Urbana Middle School or Urbana High School. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so those relationships are still there. They, they, um, they weren't fired. We didn't you know, get rid of people. We actually added on layers of people, and we shifted towards more restorative um, training, more restorative systems than just a strictly punitive. And so I will say this, because the other narrative out there is that, that we got rid of all rules. Well, our code of conduct's the exact same, and students are still being suspended out of school. But now we have an extra layer of supports where we have uh, clinical professionals and student engagement advocates who are specifically trained, um, often have backgrounds in, in uh, counseling or, or clinical psychology to help students process issues of anger or anxiety or fear, the trauma that comes from um, things in the community that they bring into school. Mm-hmm. And that's been a, a really added benefit. We're with Don Owen, the superintendent of Urbana Schools. When you talk about, uh, you know, maybe the rollout, we should have done it better. What, what are some things when you look back on it now? Yeah, so, you say, so what, what could we have done better? Yeah, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I mean, I, for me, it's all about communication, and and I own that. Um, I could have done a much better job with communication from start to finish, but in terms of being ready, we were we were ready the whole way for this move. Um, and in fact, we were hearing a lot of people. In fact, there's a, the, a student student congress at the high school, the uh, homeroom congress, had been talking with uh, the high school administration for almost an entire year about the need for mental, more mental health professionals and more preventative um, counseling work in the high school. Mm-hmm. And so, all of these all of these things were in place and ready and primed. And again, I own the communication. Uh, deficits on that um and and i'll say we're we are working through a process of change where we do have some new administrators in place um and we also have uh you know new systems in place 
what we're seeing is it has taken a little bit of time this year to get to get things kind of smoothed out. And you know, last week um, was probably our our second best week yet at Urbana Middle School in terms of um, just kind of. Uh, conflict among students mm-hmm. is the the idea you know you have the deans that's more top down is this more the idea of grassroots it's level more it's more combination yeah i would two? say it's more preventative than reactive mm-hmm. um you know one of the things that that we're seeing at urbana middle school right now and that is um i, I was talking to the principal and and uh, a couple of the teachers yesterday one of the things that they're seeing is that students are now starting to say hey i don't want to see a fight I heard this, and they're now starting to identify who are the adults in the building that they can go to and say, hey, how can I help be a, a preventative voice in this system? And that's exactly what the idea was and is, is that having, having an adult who is there to respond to student stress, student conflict, uh, student trauma is going to prevent conflict, it's going to prevent fights, and it's going to make the school a more positive and safe environment for learning. Don Owen is with us, Superintendent Urbana Schools. Let's go to the phones here. Our first caller of the day is Mark. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Thank you for being on, Dr. Owens. I'm confused with your statement that you just said a moment ago that this was planned, et cetera, a year ago, yet when I read the paper, the school board president said that it was implemented implemented too quickly against their wishes so which is it is it was it implemented on time or was it implemented too quickly who is you know where is the there seems to be a conflict of messages here and 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 i was glad to see that you've accepted responsibility okay you still there mark um, for this disaster okay um but who, who ultimately, yeah, I'm still here, I'm still, um, the, you know, needs to be held responsible. And I'm just confused who it is because the school superintendent, uh, the school board president said that it was implemented too quickly and you're saying it was implemented right on time. So where's the difference in messages that I'm confused by? Okay. Thank you, Mark. We'll let him answer that. Appreciate it. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark, and you were you were breaking up just a little bit yeah. there, but you know, I've I've said this the whole time, and that is that, um, you know, I I own the the responsibility for the messaging, and that I think is where some of the conflict and confusion comes from, and I own that, and um, the the fact that our discipline numbers were as low as they were, uh, where last year. We only had um, we had less than seventy five students at the high school who received any out of school suspensions. Right, that's that's amazing for a school the size of Urbana High School, which is at the time it was almost eleven hundred students. Now we're over twelve fifty, mm-hmm. um, and I would say this isn't a disaster at all. In fact, our data shows that uh, there was a slight uptick in in uh, physical aggression and fights at the high school. But there actually were fewer fights and fewer instances of physical aggression at the middle school than the same time period last year. Um, and yes, there were a couple fights at the middle school that really made the news that they were pretty severe. But those students have received both punitive consequences as well as more intensive counseling than they've ever gotten before. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, too, uh, and maybe you don't have the numbers in front of you, maybe in your head. Uh, what is the, <clears throat> the breakdown on uh, minority students? The numbers, you know, uh, black, white, Latino. So yeah, forth. so in, in the school district overall, mm-hmm. um, and it's roughly mirrored at the middle school and high school because we only have one 
of each. They all of our six elementary schools feed into Urbana Middle School and Urbana High School. Um, it's roughly, and and these are rounding um, up a little bit in all areas. So, pardon my math, um, but it's roughly forty percent white, forty uh, percent African American, um, about. 12 to 15% Latino, mm-hmm. um, and then the rest are Asian or uh, two or more races. But the school is growing. You mentioned the numbers. Yes, yeah. and at both middle school and high school are at the highest number that's, that they've been at in over a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're really pleased with that. I mean, that's a good thing. Uh, there's been a lot, of, a lot of growth in Urbana thanks to the uh, Enterprise Zone and, and some uh, Think Urbana building initiatives. And, uh, and it's nice to see that translating into increased enrollment in our schools all right 924 here with don owen this morning superintendent urbana schools and greg is with us good morning greg morning brian morning dr owen morning greg uh i i kind of feel like the whole town or community's been been jumping on dr owen's case and i i I just can't help but feel like this is more than just an urbana problem i I think it's a, a national problem uh, and especially when we have people like Hillary Clinton going on saying that we can have civility when Democrats retake Congress. And I, it's, it's, the how society is getting to where, you know, just the most disrespectful stuff is, is regarded as, as okay. And uh, I, 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 you have your work cut out for you over there. Uh, I, I hate to see these kids, you know, going in the wrong direction, and I don't know. Hopefully, we can get something figured out. All right. Hey, and thank you, all. Greg. Appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Greg. I'll I'll just respond to that real briefly, and and um, you know, I agree with you that there is uh, a lack of civility at the national level that that is, um, I think, having an impact. And social media is a huge concern of ours. In fact, um, our administrative team. Uh, was talking yesterday about uh, dealing with social media, uh, both with students, but also with staff and and families as well, because uh, there is a dialogue and discourse out there that isn't civil, mm-hmm. and that's that is leading to more conflict in schools. And so we're we're talking about ways that we can increase kind of that education level for students about you know think before you post, you know, um, and, and that's, is it true? Is it, uh, you know, is it, yeah, it's, it's the rotary. It, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's right. Is it, it's the rotary four way test, <laughs> right? right? Um, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it, um, is it, uh, inspiring? Is it, uh, necessary? And is it kind, right? Mm-hmm. That's think before you post. And, and that's an important piece. And I, I think that we all need to be looking at that. I was talking to uh, a relative the other day about, the dialogue in, at the national level last week, and I said, you know, the best thing we can do is sit down, build relationships, have conversations face-to-face, because that's much more effective. Um, I've invited anyone and everyone to uh, come into the schools, volunteer, come in and see that it's not actually the way it's necessarily being portrayed in social media. And, um, you know, I've, I've walked through the schools many times with uh, with members of the community, parents, uh, board members who have said, hey, I want to spend some time, and, and they walk out with a very different opinion. We're going to take a break. We're with Don Owen, the superintendent of Urbana School, District 116. If you have some questions for him, we're talking about the uh, discipline 
uh, changes, practices here that they've been putting in place, restorative practices is the word. We'll talk him more about that. But also other questions if you have with Urbana Schools. This is the head man of the school district. Back in a moment on Penny. knew the doobie brothers are tonight at the state farm center i did are I you did going to that. that i'm not going you're no. not going no uh <laughs> any of the concerts before during yeah uh-huh. i um i haven't been to a doobie brothers concert but i do go to uh concerts at the state farm center yeah um uh, from time to time okay well got to get those t- in because they're typically con- not on a weeknight <laughs> uh, not school nights are, are still school nights in yes. my household yeah. so yeah. Don Owen is the superintendent of Urbana Schools. He is with us. Uh, back to the uh, phones here at 932. Good morning to Amy. Hi, Amy. Hello. Hi. Hi, Amy. Hi. Hi. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Owen, I, I understand from earlier com- conversations at meetings that uh, USD drew on research uh, to inform and develop this new model of addressing student behavior issues. So I was wondering if you could tell us you know, not experts in education about that research and and what results led you and the district to think that this would be a a good change. Yeah, Uh, gladly. So um, a lot of the research, and I'll I'll try to avoid kind of the education ease um, (laughs) because because it's easy to fall into that. Um, But when we talk about the research, we really talk about research um, involved in what are called multi-tiered systems of support. And so the key words there are, systems of support. It's how do we develop systems that support our students uh, rather than punish them. And so multi-tiered means that students need uh, a variety of things when they come into school. And some students just need kind of the general um, social-emotional learning curriculum that is covered by uh, morning meetings in, in the classroom where all the kids sit down and say, hey, you know, let's just check in. How are you doing? And that takes care of the, the social-emotional needs of many of the students. Um, some students need more individualized attention. And so you're upping the tier. You're moving into a different tier of support. And those multi-tiered systems of support, actually, the, the research on those goes back into the um, mid to late 90s. And there's a huge amount of research about um, providing more mental health supports in the schools. Uh, there are a number of districts and, and communities that have done this uh, very well. Some have used um, models that are, are similar to um, what we used to have here uh, in Champaign-Urbana that actually spurred a lot of uh, work that we've done in the schools uh, called Access Initiative, which was paid for by a federal grant looking at how we incorporate more mental health supports in the, in the community, in the schools. Um, and the, so the, some of the communities that, that have done this, I, I think that this is also getting a part of your question. Um, the Oakland Public Schools uh, have, have done an amazing job of implementing uh, multi-tiered systems of support, specifically around issues of uh, restorative practices um, and restorative circles, as well as issues of racial equity in Oakland, uh, which is another thing that we've been working on uh, quite a bit. Um, there are pockets in the Chicago public school areas that do this very well. Um, and they're also, uh, the state of Florida is well known for um, its multi-tiered systems of support, both academically and behaviorally. 
Great. Thank you for that right. information. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate it. What you. Uh, you compare, and I'm sure you do, with Dr. Zola over at Unit 4, oh, yeah. what, what are they doing? Do so they have a similar? Or what, yeah, they what? actually do. They actually, um, you know, I, I, I know this because I, I went through graduate school, uh, you know, at the University of Illinois, first my master's um, in educational leadership and then my doctorate um, with many of my colleagues in, in Unit 4. And so um, a lot of the research that we did, a lot of the, uh, you know, projects that we worked on together um, on a lot of the ideas are actually things that are shared across both districts. And we might have different, slightly different names for them, but I know that uh, Unit 4 has been doing a great deal of work um, with restorative circles. In fact, they use some of the same um, outside consultants who actually uh, are here at the University of Illinois. I mean, we have some of the best uh, researchers here at the University of Illinois in issues of restorative conversations, restorative justice, um, and and we tap into that expertise quite a bit. Both districts do. Question uh, from an email, It's and this probably is just what you just said, but what public secondary schools in Illinois have implemented restorative practices, policies with success? That's from Mike. And another text said, I went to a high school in the Chicago metro area. The school implemented a similar program. It worked for a couple of years. In year three, the administration had to hire professional security officers. Yeah. So a so, uh, couple things. One is um, I think... Any program uh, takes time to get fully implemented, mm -hmm. right? And and so change does take time, and and we're seeing a little bit of that happening right now. Um, and any change is a little bumpy at first, uh, but as I said, things are really uh, smoothing out quite a bit in the last uh, couple weeks. And you know, we're we're also tweaking things um, quite a bit. And um, yeah, the ideas of restorative practices aren't new. When I taught at Urbana Middle School, uh, we actually had a grant for a while, and we um, we had a peer mediation coordinator. And that peer mediation coordinator worked with 7th and 8th grade students to uh, train students who were peer mediators, who when there was a conflict, the students would sit down and help navigate the conflict. That doesn't work with every single situation, um, but that ended up going away in part because um, it didn't have administrative support at the time. Uh, it, it really is kind of making sure that we all have the same kind of core beliefs. And if our core beliefs are that we want to see the best possible outcomes for all of our students and that those outcomes are keeping them in school, making sure that we're resolving the conflicts, that will also help with conflicts out in the community. Don Owen is the superintendent of Urbana Schools, District 116. He's with us this morning for this full hour, 937 here at uh, DWS. Uh, we've got a couple other questions. I don't know. One of these may not apply to you. It's curious to know the thinking behind the purpose of the wide sidewalk that's been under construction on the east side of Cunningham and Urbana extends north on Route 45 all the way to the stoplight from Farm and Fleet to enough people walk or ride bicycles along that stretch. The expense is justified. It uh, doesn't apply to you. But, no, uh, uh, we're not. We don't, <laughs> we don't have uh, property up there. Um, and uh, um, What's the closest um, school to there? Uh, the closest school to there would actually be Gerber, which is okay. part of the Cunningham uh, Children's Home campus, which is actually uh, great news. Um, uh, Cunningham Children's Home is um, is actually building a new uh, school space there. So Gerber is going to be moving into a new school actually partway through this school year, mm -hmm. as is Circle Academy, which is also uh, housed at, at uh, Cunningham Children's Home. How many, how many elementary schools? We have six elementary schools, okay. an early childhood school. Uh, we have Gerber at, at mm -hmm. Cunningham, and then we also have an adult ed program in addition mm -hmm. to middle school and high school. A couple of things related to security. Uh, 
most schools have a resource police officer. Mm-hmm. Does Urbana yes. have? Yeah. So Urbana has a has a resource officer. Again, that was started back in the mid nineties, um, and it's a it's a real partnership that when Urbana Police and the school board and school superintendent at the time looked at having a resource offer resource offer in the schools, it was really based around the model of community policing, which is we didn't want a school resource officer to be there as security guard because one police officer um, in a high school isn't necessarily going to keep kids safer than mm-hmm. um, other practices that we do that I'll, I'll actually talk about that in a minute um, because it's much more student-centered than that. But having a school resource officer there who is interacting with students on a daily basis, who is seen as another adult who cares about them, actually builds some connection between the youth and the police that is helpful for dealing with issues of conflict and violence out in the community. And that conflict and violence does, at times, come into the schools. And it's important to have that that resource officer there um, to help navigate that for our students and our adults. Is that only done at the high school, or do schools do it now at middle school? Too? The, uh, the, our school resource officer right now is, um, is actually uh, dedicated at the high school, middle school campus. As okay. you know, our, right you know the together. middle school and high school are on 22 and a half acres in, in central Urbana. Um, and so it's the majority of our students in our district are there on that one little site. And so uh, the resource officer splits time between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, one of the things that, that we've worked with with the city recently on is that, you know, as we're going through this transition and as we've seen an uptick in violence in the community, um, they've the city, the school district doesn't pay for the resource officer. So it's something that the city provides. Um, but the city has actually said, hey, we want to, for a short term, uh, provide some extra time for that resource officer to spend more time in the schools so that they can get to new, know some of the new administrators and staff as well as make connections with some of the students because uh, there is quite a bit of violence in the community that, that happened this summer um, and, and is still, I mean, it, it spilled it's over into this past weekend. Some of the sports, some yeah. of the sports uh, scheduling and right. so forth. Right, yeah. I mean, we had a, we had a student in, in Champaign who was shot and killed the week before there were two major football games going on, the Central versus Centennial game and then Urbana versus Danville game. And, and so it does impact our entire mm-hmm. community. Also a text, and we've had a calls before on the show about putting cameras in the schools, mm-hmm. in the classroom, yeah. and, and kids today are so media savvy. I mean, they're used to being on you know, FaceTime and Snapchat and everything else. I mean, would that help? Well, or, so we actually do have uh, security cameras in, at middle school and high school um, in the schools, as well as some of our elementary schools. Um, we try and not make a huge deal of that because mm-hmm. that is also providing some additional security mm-hmm. and access in terms of safety for, um, you know, for bigger threats right. in the schools. Right. Um, but we do use those cameras, and students are aware that those cameras are there. Yeah. Those are in the hallway, though, as opposed They're to They're in the hallway yeah, as yeah, opposed yeah. to being yeah. in the classroom. Right. Okay, uh, back to the phones here. They're full for uh, Don Owen. Hi, Tiny. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you guys have... Uh, and talk about what I want to talk about. Uh, what have you done, Mr. Owen, to provide protection in case we have a shooter who wants to come into the school? Okay. Yep. We'll let him answer that. Thank yeah, you, Tiny. That's that's a great question. And, and you know, safety and security of our students is critical. Um, and I will say our biggest, um, most important protection 
for uh, active shooter in the schools is our students and families. Mm -hmm. Because when there's a threat, we are notified by a student, by a parent, long before that ever happens. And our communication with the police is very solid. Um, when we have a threat, we have a, a series of systems in place in terms of notification, um, and police are called immediately. Um, and I will say this, all of our schools have a single point of entry now. So you can't just you know, walk, in during, in. Walk, yeah. walk in during the day into any door. Um, and that single point of entry is secured. And so there's either someone there monitoring it or uh, there's a, a intercom video system that buzzes people in. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing. You know, I, the expense of things like metal detectors or um, you know, armed security guards, we've seen over and over again that schools that have those are still subject and victims to um, horrible, tragic events of, of shooters in schools. We want to create a community and a society where we can identify problem areas and and can identify when a student uh, person is is struggling, and we can intervene long before that person even sets foot on campus. Dolores Brown's a principal at Urbana High School, and uh, you commented too. There was a recent uh, non-specific threat on yes. Snapchat, right? That yes, you, uh, there you know, was. There was a recent non-specific threat on Snapchat. I. Uh, was notified at um, around nine o'clock at night um, by a parent, and then a student contacted me right away. They'd both seen it, and they both said, "Hey, I, you know, I'm not sure that this is anything, but it's something." And and for us, even a small something is something we take very seriously. And so, um, you know, that that non-specific threat was addressed and taken care of. Uh, in a two-hour period between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m., and we had systems in place the next morning ready to respond if needed. Mm -hmm. um, and that happens on a more regular basis than I think people realize because that's what we do. Our job is to keep students safe. Don Owen is the superintendent of Urbana, District 116. Lines are full for the superintendent. You mentioned the um, metal detector. Do a lot of schools in the state have those now? Not, not a lot. Not no, a lot. they're... they're okay. um, Metal detectors are most most common in in some areas in Chicago, mm -hmm. um, some areas in East St. Louis. I don't know of very many other schools that that have installed metal detectors, um, in part because there isn't a lot of evidence that says that they are effective, mm -hmm. and they also they make our schools look like prisons. Yeah. And if you want to make our schools feel unsafe, you add metal detectors, and that ramps up the level of of uh, concern for students, for adults, and um, we're not <laughs> trying not to create an armed camp yeah, here, basically. Exactly. Yeah. We're not interested in creating prisons. Right. All right, back to the phones here to Tim. Good morning. You're on with Don Owen. Good morning, Brian and Dr. Owen. Uh, I have one sports question and a philosophical question. Have you had any overtures from other conferences for ban leaving the Big 12 due to the inability for basketball and football to compete because the Peoria schools came in and actually – Probably when you were there, Mattoon left, but before that, Lincoln and Springfield left. Yeah. And then my second question is, when as you teach history and civics, are you a strict constitutionalist? Do your teachers teach the Constitution that is written, or do you interpret the Constitution, which most Democrats would rather do? And my, my question is to that is, um, you know, people 
are bringing the Democrat and the Republican thing in. You know, well, well, everything's bad because of what Trump's been doing. But my my question is, how do you teach your the kids U.S. history and the Constitution? Because we've gotten rid of the term Columbus Day, which is not really what it was. It was Columbus Day. You call it Fall Day, but a lot of people that were from Urbana have had four, five, six generations of family that go to Urbana High, and they don't agree with what that is called now. And, and that's my question, and I'll hang up and let you um, okay, answer sure. those two. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate yep. it. Yep. Yeah, Tim, those those are uh, two great questions, uh, very different. And um, I will say this, uh, in terms of uh, football and basketball being competitive, I would say uh, we've actually seen a quite quite a deal of success um, with basketball in the last two years. And um, it's it's been it has been an adjustment having the Peoria teams uh, in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Um, there has we do entertain um, conversations, and I will say that the the most recent conversation we had was about the fact that at the IHSA level, um, and this is driven pretty much by the Chicago area um, schools, is at the at, when I say IHSA, that's the Illinois High School Athletic Association, right? Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, they they are actually moving towards more regional um, competitions, which would essentially eliminate some of the uh, pressure on some of those uh, historic um, uh, divisions and 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 conferences. Mm. You know, Urbana was one of the founding members of the Big Twelve, and and when there was some discussion a few years ago about maybe would look at other conferences, um, it. it it con- turns into a lot of things. One is the history. Um, one is the crosstown rivalries. We don't want to lose some of that because that's what makes this community uh, powerful around issues of sports. The other thing is if we move into a smaller conference as a, as a school, um, that creates some issues because not every conference has uh, swimming. Not every conference has tennis. Not every conference has soccer. And so we don't want to lose uh, the opportunities for our students to play a wide variety of sports and to really shine athletically and academically. You know, Urbana has three state champions from last year, one in wrestling and two in track. And and we are very competitive in some areas. Um, we have a smaller football team than most of the other Big 12 schools. And a part of that is because there are other sports that are going on simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that does put a pressure on a school our size. But to, to answer your question, I, I kind of gave you a lot of background there, uh, but Tim, to answer your question, yeah, there, there are discussions about how to um, maybe have a different schedule for um, football especially, uh, but also maybe basketball as well. Those discussions are happening. Let me just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second part of your question, I love history. I, uh, I love teaching history. Um, I, I, my first master's degree is in history. I consider myself a uh, a strict constructionist when it comes to uh, teaching the Constitution because that document as a primary document is so powerful. That document is a document that has survived and changed as the politics, as society, as um, as this country has grown in so many different ways that back in you know 1789. The, the people, the men that sat there and wrote that document had no idea what was coming even 
10 years later, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. they, they could not have anticipated the War of 1812. Yeah, they couldn't have anticipated that there was going to be continuing global conflict around uh, British colonialism and, and, um, and American kind of rights expansion, and expansion, yeah. right? Mm, yeah. um, but along with that expansion, there have been a number of problematic things that, that this country still deals with, right? I mean, uh, the, the expansion of slavery, the, uh, the uh, marching across the westward expansion and, and taking away essentially the U.S. government violating its own treaties with um, American Indians – that does cause conflict. That is part of our history that we have to deal with. And, and you know, that does kind of bring up, well, who are we celebrating on Columbus Day? And, and why is it, uh, I'll, I'm using the term with quotes here, Brian can, can vouch for me. Um, you know, the political correctness is not necessarily political correctness, but it's also um, acknowledging that our history is complicated. And we have to be ready to look back at our history yeah both with a uh, an eye for uh criticism mm-hmm. but also an eye for moving forward and how can we move forward as a um as a country in in a better path just to finish that thought like the Mexican war was debated back then uh, Abraham Lincoln at the time was not a fan of the Mexican war correct and we're dealing with all of the consequent everything that happened as a result of that whether you agreed with it or not right we're dealing with hundreds of years later yeah one you know, and so this is this is a actually great example because that's another piece where um as a history teacher I would take Lincoln's spot resolution speech that he gave in the House of Representatives and that speech basically outlined what he thought was going to happen with the conflict between the United States and Mexico in the 1830s. And it was amazing how much foresight he had, but it's a powerful historical document that, that helps us understand where we are today. All right. That's uh, there's our history (laughs) lesson for today. Let's go back to uh, Dave. Good morning, Dave. Uh, Good morning. Um, The superintendent a while ago said that you have, they have, one resource officer is that just in the high school or in each school yeah it's it's one resource officer that's shared between the middle school and high school um and as i said how 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 is that shared how often what are what are they go what determines where they go uh basically it's it's uh the needs that are that are coming into the schools um you know our our campus is connected um it's about a two-minute walk from what defines needs what do you mean by needs well if there's something that's happening in the community right and we know that something popped up on social media that is a conflict between a couple middle school students. Then the resource officer is probably going to start the day at the middle school to check in with um, the administration, the, maybe even the students, maybe the, maybe reach out to the parents and say, hey, you know, is there something that we need to prevent here? Um, is there something we need to look into? Okay. Um, and, then, and then the other need is if a conflict arises during the school day, um, it's, it's a literally about a minute response time because the school resource officers, they are on the campus. Okay. The re- school resource officer is in fact a police officer, but not armed. Is that right? No, he is armed. Um, he's, uh, he's he non, he's non-uniformed, but he, he, I mean, all police officers who are on duty, I believe, and I, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not chief of police. Uh, but my understanding is that all police officers who are on duty um, have to be armed. And so, yeah, he is armed when he's at school. Um, and that, you know, that honestly, that creates issues for some students who see an armed police officer in school. And that makes them, you know, nervous. But one of the things that we do is we want to say, hey, 
how can we make sure that that is seen as a uh, positive, positive part of our community? Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, just like when how we have our teachers evaluated. Pardon me. Are they evaluated. Uh, uh, do you just come into them arbitrarily, or do teachers know when they're coming in? How how often are teachers evaluated? Yeah, so okay. uh, teachers are evaluated according to uh, state law. Um, we have to evaluate tenured teachers um, every other year formally, and that is a very formal process where uh, administrators let them know when they're coming in, but then they also drop in uh, whenever they want. Um, you know, I, and in my mind, we all as adults uh, should be evaluating and self-evaluating how we behave on a regular basis. Because why wouldn't it be more efficient if you had cameras in the classroom? And you wouldn't have to go in. All you have to do is just punch up a button. There's that teacher. Is mm-hmm. he following his? Is he following his lesson plan? Are the kids in line? What is the downside to having? cameras in the classroom all right we'll let him answer that okay dave thank you go ahead yeah thanks dave so there that is so um it becomes are you going to have an administrator sitting in a room watching cameras or are you going to have an administrator walking in the halls interacting with people and walking into classrooms um and actually seeing what's going on uh there's also an issue of of privacy and and autonomy you know our, our teachers do have a great deal of autonomy in terms of how they are innovative and how they're engaging with students. Um, and so it's not like we're going to expect every history teacher to be on the exact same page in the history book on the same day mm-hmm. um, because students will come in with ideas that they want to share. And that discussion, we want to have that happen naturally. So um, I'm getting off. I'm getting a well, little off your, that's okay. your question. That's all right. We've got a couple of minutes to go here. Let's get J.D. in. Good morning, J.D. Good morning, Brian. Thank you for having Dr. Owen on. And Dr. Owen, I appreciate your courage in coming on the radio and taking questions this morning. Well, thank you, J.D. I am, uh, as a former graduate many years ago of Urbana High School, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm really sad at, at uh, what is happening at the high school and junior high. It uh, just seems to me that our reputation as a high school uh, has really gone down in, in uh, the state when uh, People are talking about Danville and Decatur and Urbana in the same sentence. I don't like that. Uh, the question is, the restorative practices. Do you work with the parents of uh, students who have discipline problems as far as restorative practices? Because it seems to me if they don't have that reinforced at home, you're just wasting your time. Uh, you're banging your head against the wall. And, and the last thing is a comment. And I always felt this is a as a former teacher and coach, if you don't have discipline, you only have a mob. And I hope we don't have a mob at Urbana High School and Urbana Junior High School. Thank you. Thank you, J.D. Yeah. Thank you, J.D. It. I appreciate your, your uh, comments and your concerns. Um, let me start with one, and that is, um, you know, Urbana is by far. My, my kids go there. Um, I wouldn't have them go to any other school in the state. Uh, we have been awarded... Uh, Many awards in the last five years, including um, we were we were ranked one of 20 schools in the nation as a school of opportunity back in 2016 uh, because of the opportunities we were providing for our students uh, to have AP classes, to have and I love talking about academics, right, Um, Mm -hmm. to have dual credit. Uh, We have a higher percentage of students heading off to college um, than we have ever before. And 
those students are better prepared than ever before. We offer uh, up to 19 different AP classes and a dozen dual credit classes with Parkland College. Uh, we've been exploring dual credit options with uh, the University of Illinois as well. Um, and so academically, um, we, are, we are by far, in my mind, and I say this, I'm a, just a little biased, so I'm, I'm going <laughs> to admit yeah. that. Um, we're by far the best high school in the state, mm-hmm. and, and we will continue to be. I, I, that doesn't mean I'm going to sit back and rest on my laurels in any, in any sense of the word. Um, I would also invite you, J.D., shoot me an email. Come on in. I would love to give you a tour of the schools um, so you can see because uh, discipline, and I'm going to get to your last statement and see if I can remember your question. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, Brian can help less me. Than a minute, so. Okay. Um, so discipline is not about, um, is not about punishing. It's about teaching the correct behavior. And I think that your, your statement is exactly correct. We are about discipline because um, it is about teaching the correct behavior. It's about making sure that people understand the behavior. And your question was about families and restorative practice. And yes, we actually are doing home visits uh, at both middle school and high school. Our clinical professionals, SEAs, counselors, uh, even last year, I did a couple home visits. Um, and, and that's an important piece because parents are a partner in raising of, these, of, of our children. And I say our children because it's our community. Mm-hmm. We as a community have to come together. Brian, I went over. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> hey, it's been a great hour. People can stop by and see you and yeah. uh, visit the school, and we'll do this again sometime. Yeah, great. I really appreciate Thank it, you. Brian. And, and I, uh, uh, you know, hit me up on social media. Uh, shoot me an email. I, I would love to have people come in and um, see what we're doing in the schools. All right. This is WDWS Champaign-Urbana. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. All right, welcome back. Hour number two on Penny for Your Thoughts, News Talk 1400 DWS. Appreciate uh, what a great hour with Don Owen, Superintendent Urbana Schools. We'll have him on again, uh, I'm sure, here in the future. But, uh, well, that hour went by very, very quickly. Thank you to all your input from the uh, text line, the email, and, of course, the uh, phone lines, 356-9397. Some open line time here for about a half an hour or so. And then we're going to have a representative or two, I'm not sure who all's coming, but uh, from the Alumni Association, talk about a couple of events coming up this weekend that you can be a part of as part of Homecoming. Had an uh, email, says, will this game be televised? I'm assuming by this game she means Purdue. Homecoming game uh, will be televised, if so, by which network? It's FS1 is uh, what I understand, Joyce. Hopefully that's helpful to you, FS1. And a text that came in near the end of the hour, I could not get to it, and he may have touched on this. Don talked about suspension numbers going down as one of his achievements, but if you get rid of the practice of suspending students, obviously the numbers will go down. How can he claim that as a success? And he was referring, I think, too, along the way to the uh, su- the practices, the suspensions uh, going down, also the way they're doing the restorative practices now but also the numbers from even a couple of weeks ago i don't know which one he was referring to but i think overall is what he was talking about but that text came in very late at the end of the hour and asking about the wisconsin game you think ed i don't know i'll double check the tv on that if we get a chance 
We're at 356-9397. MX Electric is one of our sponsors. They want you to always know it's never that bad. Whether you have a major electrical issue that you're facing, Taco Bell on Neal. They've been involved in Starbucks on campus, Jimmy John's on Kirby, Subway on Philo. They've been involved in those big projects, but they can put your TV in. They can install your television. They can change your ceiling fan. They can do little things like that. They can work on your breaker. Anything electrical, and my policy is I don't deal with water or electricity, and especially not the two together, obviously. But uh, advice I always give when it comes to electricity is to myself is put down the screwdriver and walk away. That's my advice. But the other advice would be to call Nikita and Max Painter. Their number is 359-7293. They've been in the business for over 15 years. They've seen about everything. And to MX Electric, it's never that bad. So relax. Call Max. You'll actually talk to Nikita to get started. But whatever your electrical needs are, big or small, they can help you out. And my dad uh, used their services, was very, very pleased. So that's all you need to know as far as that goes. 1015 MX Electric, one of our sponsors here on Penny for Your Thoughts. Kind of a uh, rainy day earlier in the day. It's going to cool off, I guess. Low of 45 tonight after a high of 77, normal high 68. Record 86 in 1962 as far as the weather goes. All right, one of the things that happened in that first hour is uh, we were having such a great conversation with Don Owen, I forgot to take a break. So I need to take another break and make up for that one. Back after this with your phone calls, emails, and texts. And Penny for your thoughts, News Talk 1400 DWS. Our friend Mike Namoff, he's got a big event coming up. Can't tell you what it is yet, but we'll tell you that it's going to be this winter, and we'll uh, give you more information as we get that coming up. But he, of course, is... The uh, owner, operator, and all-around uh, big man in town, Big Mike, you've seen him for years. He's helped out with Special Olympics, Boys and Girls Club, Tom Jones, Kiwanis Challenger League, Crisis Nursery, and others. Uh, man about town. Everybody knows Big Mike, and he, of course, has had This Is It Furniture for several years. In the last year or so, he added uh, Snooze Luxury Mattress Shop. Check out the Great Wall of Pillows. Not only mattresses, but the Great Wall of Pillows, specifically designed for side sleepers, back or stomach sleepers, those with certain physical needs. And when you come in to look at a mattress, don't just lay on one and say, ah, it works. No, you're going to go to the reveal machine, 1,600 built-in sensors that yield an on-screen pressure point analysis that helps visualize your sleep comfort needs. Their goal is to give you your best sleep ever, and a mattress change can be a wonderful thing. But a new pillow, we talked about those, can make a big difference in sleep quality. They have the Z-Zoned Doe Pillow Collection. I have one of those. It's great. We have pillows for people who get hot while they're sleeping, aromatherapy for comfort and calming, ventilated pillows. They've also got uh, high-end bamboo bedding, very soft and silky, 100% Egyptian cotton, hand-finished and tailored by Italian artisans, French linen. This is a store unlike any other. Get your best sleep ever, Snooze Luxury Mattress Shop. They're at the Country Fair Shopping Center right next to This Is It Furniture, and make sure you say hi to Big Mike. 1022, 70 degrees, and we go to the phones here to Don. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Good. I just wanted to thank you for your show, man, because, uh, you know, it's been two years now, and, I mean, after two years, we're still listening, and we know it's never going to be Trump good. We, we just know that. It's never going to be Trump good. So 
thank you for your show, but I wanted to talk about uh, temperament. I would say Democrats that can't condemn left-wing violence don't have the temperament to serve. I mean, Dick Durbin up there pointing his finger, spitting and everything. You know, you got Cory Booker. You got enough ammo. You got enough ammo in Congress. What there's, how many millions of dollars they put up for, uh, you know, sexual harassment that they won't, they won't release who that was for that we paid for. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you talk about temperament. Come on, Maxine Waters, are you kidding me? You talk about temperament. You're gonna, you're gonna go after Kavanaugh and the way he acted, being being accused of gang rape. His temperament, as opposed to these other people. I mean, an example is, you know, uh, you guys have you, the media has no problem smearing Republicans. You guys have so much ammo with Democrats. When's the last time you guys smeared a Democrat? When? Why don't you go after Booker for for beating up his girlfriend? She's got pictures of her with black eyes and everything. Uh, after you know, it's been filed with the police. Nobody said he's up there condemning Kavanaugh. I mean. What's going on here? Let's talk temperament. Let's talk temperament on their side. I mean, you guys got so much ammo. I don't know what it is, man. I don't want. I don't know what it is. Is it the power, the powers that be, that on the station, the show, or whatever? But you guys just won't do it, and you guys go hard, hold heartedly after Republicans, even with fake stories. You guys still, you can't say. I mean, when I see the reports now on the Kavanaugh thing, well, they're talking about. Uh, Trump saying that he's innocent, and every every time they show that clip, they come on afterwards and go, "Well, that that was never proven." You know, they never said that that he was innocent. Well, you know, she is is isn't innocent either. Then because she brought nothing to the table, you got to have evidence. It, it just don't work that way. And uh, if she don't bring evidence, and they can't have a case, then he's innocent. Sorry, you can't prove that he's guilty. That leaves him innocent. But, you know, the media just can't say that because mm-hmm. it's, it's against the narrative. Okay. Hey, thank you, Don. Appreciate it. On to Stan. Hey, Stan, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Uh, two things, I guess. I, I, I just had one thing I was going to throw out there as sort of a, a um, thought process. But... Uh, when uh, the Republicans, the President of the United States, does not allow either the accuser or the accused to be questioned by the FBI, when the President of the United States does not allow the witnesses to be questioned by the FBI in anything other than a supposed written statement, um, we didn't have an investigation. We had a cover-up, just like we're having a cover-up of the Russian conspiracy to put Trump in the office. Now, let me. This is the thought process. Uh, you know the difference between reg- between progression and regression, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Do you think the previous caller knows the difference? I, you'll have to ask him. I don't know. I don't think he does. Oh, okay. Progression is progression is when we go forward. Mm-hmm. We lean into the future. We grasp the future with both hands and welcome it, just like John F. Kennedy did in 1961. I think it was when he said, 
that we were going to put a man on the moon and bring him home safely within 10 years, and we progressed to the point of being able to do that. Regression is the process of falling backwards. And if you follow the Republicans, you're going to fall backwards, just as they have done with the uh, issues of of um, racism, um, misogyny, uh, and on and on. The Republicans want to take us back to at least the 1900s, uh, early 1900s. They want to take us back to the middle of the 1800s when we had slavery. The Republicans want to regress and go back, as is, in, as is proved by Trump's motto, make America great again, as though America is not great now. Furthermore, if you do not progress, you always regress. Because hmm. if you stand still, then other people will pass you up and leave you in the dirt. And if you don't progress, we will regress, we will go back, we will become less and less great thanks to the difference between progressive and regressive. All right. Hey, thank you, Stan. You going to the Doobie Brother concert tonight? No, no, I don't have time for that. Oh, I've okay. Got a, uh, disabled son I have to take care of. Okay. Well, I just wanted to check. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Good to hear from you. 1028, a quick break. Back with more. Callers, emails, and texters. A little bit after the news. We'll talk a couple of representatives from the Alumni Association at the U of I. It's homecoming. Back after this. Nothing proves that hard work pays off better than performance numbers, and these products are proving themselves in fields near you. Golden Harvest GH2788X brand soybean outyielded Pioneer brands by 4.6 bushels per acre in 41 trials. For more proof that Golden Harvest delivers strong genetics and agronomics that outperform, visit GoldenHarvestYields.com or contact your Golden Harvest Seed Advisor. What if your loved one has a stroke or suffers from Alzheimer's or some other disease and suddenly needs nursing home care? Once the shock wears off, you'll want to know how to get help paying the five dollars to $6,000 per month or more that good nursing home care costs. You cannot afford to make a mistake. Your life savings is at risk. Hi, I am Elder Law Attorney Thorpe Facer with a message of hope for Central Illinois families who have a loved one in a nursing home. There are often steps you can take to protect your home and more of your money if you get the right advice. We've helped hundreds of area families. Let us help yours too. Don't go broke in a nursing home. Call my team at Facer Law Office to help protect your home, your money, and to regain your peace of mind. Let us deal with the state so you don't have to. Call 217-337-1111. That's Doobie Brothers today because they're in concert tonight. Why not? Here at the State Farm Center. 
That's uh, coming up tonight. Uh, I want to remind you, if it's, uh, you find it difficult to talk about money, you're not alone. Many married or committed couples struggle to have the money talk. According to a study by Fortune, more than 40% don't know how much their partner earns. 43% incorrectly quote their partner's income. And 10% miss the mark by $25,000 or more. Boy, you better know each other a little better than that. Busey suggests asking these questions to understand and prepare for your financial future together. What are your spending habits? Are you an impulsive spender? Do you prefer to shop around? Do you donate to charities? What about separate or joint bank accounts? What are your financial goals and priorities? Busey can provide a array of solutions tailored to you and your partner's needs. Keep and manage all your accounts in one place. Personal mortgage, business, cash management, wealth management. No matter your stage in life, Busey will be there along the way. Visit Busey.com or stop by one of their many convenient locations for solutions to your personal business and wealth management needs. And Benny says, good morning, Brian. I want to wish your mom a happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday to my mom today. Arlene Barnhart, appreciate her and uh, wish her the best on her birthday. Michael Kaiser is here. Hurricane Michael with the news headlines. 1031. You've been hearing some of that this week? Uh, I've heard of <laughs> I've heard a little bit of that. Yeah. Uh, I got told last night at home that I'm um, this hadn't made landfall yet. I'm having too much fun with this, and I I, I told Valerie I said I'm not having enough fun with this because it's not going to happen again. Obviously, this is a terrible right. situation, right? But it's not been you know doesn't happen very often. Your hurricane's been named has your same name, right? So, so you'll go with it. I'm going to go with it, yeah. and uh, I've had a few comments already today. Karen York already said something to me because she's going to Florida, oh. so she yelled at me already about it. Her sister's mad at me. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> do anything. <laughs> All right. So, well, Hurricane Michael, give us yeah. the news here. Happy birthday to your mom, by oh, the way. Thank Brian. you. Yeah, yep. you bet. That's the uh, Doobie Brothers are in concert tonight. Gonna use those for bumpers today. It's a good excuse to do that. All right, a couple of guests coming up here. Joe Rank and Ryan Ross from over at the Alumni Association are going to join us here in a moment, and let's uh, we'll talk homecoming here. Henry, give me a couple of quick points. Hi, Henry. Yeah, quick points. I wanted to call people to alert them to the fact that there's a lot of leftist billionaires who are putting tens of millions of dollars into this campaign. And uh, for the voters of District 13 or 13th District here, that uh, – Londrigan is basically a Trojan horse candidate, and they should just be made aware of that. But I want to go back real quick to Don. Uh, he misstated the fact. It wasn't Cory Booker uh, who was the one who beat his girlfriend. That was Keith Ellison. And uh, anyway, she, unlike Christine Ford, has uh, police reports and medical reports and even a... Uh, girlfriend that she had confided in and it happened you know within just the last several years it wasn't like 36 years ago and yet democrats are willing to overlook that and i don't think that's fair and as far as being regressive uh i think the democrat party is the one that's regressive when it comes to due process fairness and uh presumption of innocence because uh i've never been to an interview where the interviewers or interviewer uh, has suspended all notions of fairness and uh, presumption of innocence. And then I was accused of being a serial rapist or having rape chains or being involved in them. I mean, it's just totally ludicrous. So 
it's really the Democratic Party that's taking us back centuries. So that's really all I have to say at this okay. point. Okay. Thank you, Henry. Okay. Appreciate it. And we'll have uh, Joe and Ryan here join us in a moment. Hi, John. Good morning. Uh, how are you today? Good. Good. Well, happy birthday to your mom. Yeah, thank you. I'll pass that along. You're, you're quite welcome. I, I'd like to piggyback off of the guy that just hung up. Okay. And, uh, you know, I mean, people are talking about uh, uh, Kavanaugh's temperament and et cetera. And you just think about what he was accused of. Okay, I would be absolutely livid if somebody said those things about me and accused me of those things. And I'd like to go back to Stan and remind Stan that this man has been investigated six previous times. And of those six times, one of them was to clear him to have possession of the nuclear codes. Be real, man. Okay, I mean, when it comes right down to it, the very first time he was ever investigated by the FBI... He was right out of college. So I think if something had happened while he was in college, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's back when they actually go and talk to your friend and the people that knew you. That is a pretty deep investigation, okay? I've known a lot of people with top-secret security clearances throughout my military career. This is, this is not game time, okay? You quit spreading ignorance. This was all... A, a ploy. If they were concerned the slightest bit about what was going on with Christine Ford, this would have come up and been handled in private because there is an avenue to have this take place, you know, completely private. No one would have ever known about her unless something was real. So I just wanted to put that out there. All right. I, hey. I'm not saying that nothing happened to her, but I'm saying that I'm equally certain it wasn't him. All right. Hey, John, thanks for your comments today. You have a great day. I appreciate it. I'll pass the birthday wishes to my mom. Back with our guests from the Alumni Association after this on Penny. Did I mention the Doobie Brothers are in concert? I guess I did. Okay, that's one more. Had to get one more in. You guys going tonight? No. No? Too much going on. Too much going on. Yeah, yeah right. I know. You're too busy. That's. I thought I'd just ask rhetorically. <laughs> uh, Joe Rank, uh, History and Traditions over at the Alumni Alliance. And Ryan Ross is the coordinator of History and Traditions programs. Happy homecoming. Thank you, you guys. Yeah, homecoming. feel free to pull those mics in closer to you there. And Thank you. You ready for it? Yeah. Yeah, we've Absolutely. we've been ready. <laughs> well, tell us uh, we got a couple of things to talk about. One is the uh, Richmond Gallery. What what is this? Tell us about this. Sure. So for the past five years, the University of Illinois Alumni Alliance has been working on a project to repurpose portions of the Alice Campbell Alumni Center mm -hmm. with interactive exhibits about the history of the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, its traditions, and its global impact. And that project is called the Richmond Family Welcome Gallery. And it's opening this weekend at the Alice Campbell Alumni Center. The, um, starting on Friday, we're going to have an open house mm -hmm. as part of homecoming. Friday, it'll be from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. Saturday, from 9.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. And Sunday, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. So this project... Uh, it was funded primarily through the generosity of the late Jack and Marjorie Richmond, mm -hmm. 
And its interactive exhibits focus not only on university history and the university's contributions to society, but also on alumni achievements and the evolution of the student experience over the past 150 years. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, at the Alice Campbell Center, for people that don't know where that is. That's right. It's at 601 South Lincoln Avenue in mm-hmm. Urbana. Yep. Not far from the Cranert. That's right. In that just, general area. Just, uh, just to the east of mm-hmm. the Cranert Center for Performing Arts. So what else do we need to know about this particular gallery? I know it's, you're trying to make it a gathering place for new ab- students, ab- right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this came about, uh, I have four grown kids that uh, all uh, fortunately uh, went to the University of Illinois made the right choice, but uh, in the process of uh, college searches, we visited a lot of campuses. And in my 20-year career with the uh, Alumni Alliance, uh, also visited a lot of universities. And many of them had visitor centers or welcome centers that would uh, get visitors energized about the greatness of of the uh, institution. Uh, And so we thought about it, and, and there was no central place at, at the University of Illinois on the Urbana-Champaign campus where someone could come and, and get the big picture view of uh, what the university was all about. And we had this magnificent uh, Alice Campbell Alumni Center right next to Admissions and Records, next to Spurlock Museum across the street from, uh, from Cranert, uh, thousands and thousands of visitors each year. So here's a place where prospective students, parents, visiting alumni, Donors, uh, faculty, prospective faculty can come and and, uh, experience all that's great about the University of Illinois. Mm -hmm. And it's important in this day and age to be up with the times as far as what students, when they come in, they're very interactive. That's the idea here, right? That's right. um, Some of the features at the Welcome Gallery will include uh, 14 massive display cases called Discovery Boxes. Mm that are split into two parts, and one side of it is kind of like a giant iPad that visitors can use to learn about uh, different topics through images, short interviews with alumni and students, and uh, short videos that we've made. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of the case is for artifacts, so three-dimensional objects telling stories about the university. So the uh, open house Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 5. Saturday, of course, we've got a football game Saturday, but you mm-hmm. can come in there any time before or after the game, of course, right. 9.30 to 6.30, and then Sunday, 9 a.m. to 3. Expect a lot of people come through? Yes, we hope so. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal anyway, right? That's the goal. Yeah. And we hope that uh, as, as alumni return and they see the Welcome Gallery and walk through its spaces, mm-hmm. that they'll f- feel inspired to contribute their own mementos and memories mm-hmm. of their time on campus. Mm-hmm. And really, um, go ahead, Joe. Well, you know, one of the ideas is is uh, this will be an ever-evolving uh, set of exhibits. So, so some things like the hi- the history of the university that doesn't change, but but things like our innovations and achievement and uh, and that uh, every every few months there'll be a totally different visitor experience. That's right. People to come back. The exhibits are designed so that they're easy to change, Mm -hmm. and so we'll be changing things out a couple times a year at least. Mm -hmm. And uh, one other event coming up this weekend and next, and just touch on this briefly, the the cemetery stories. So so this Sunday at 11 a.m. at Mm -hmm. uh, Mount Hope Mausoleum, we'll be having the second annual Mount Hope and Rose Lawn Cemetery Walk, Mm -hmm. which is a living history theater event. Uh, a walking tour through university history with costumed actors 
portraying significant figures from the university and local communities, mm -hmm. people who are buried in Mount Hope or Roselawn. Mm -hmm. And Joe, you're going to be uh, participating? I'm going to be uh, the first director of bands, uh, Albert Austin Harding. Mm -hmm. uh, he was the band director from uh, 1905 to 1948, and he was responsible for virtually all the traditions, the musical traditions that, that we know, uh, we experience whenever we go to a, a sporting event. Uh, last year, I, I uh, portrayed uh, Coach Bob Zupke, uh, Illinois' winningest football coach. And uh, ironically, Zupke and Harding were very close friends. And uh, we credit the two of them for coming up with the Saturday spectacle, the, the format of mm -hmm. football and a uh, entertainment by the band at halftime, uh, making a fall Saturday afternoon uh, uh, something special. So that'll be uh, coming up, what you said, on Sunday? At Sunday 11, at 11 a.m. And then the next Sunday? And then on the 21st at 2 p.m. Okay. That's the and, way to check it out. Uh, tickets are $10. You can buy them in advance at uh, IllinoisAlumni.org, or you can buy them on site the day of the event, and that's cash only. That's for the uh, cemetery event. The, uh, yep. the open house is free. That's right. For the Richmond Gallery. Hey, guys, we appreciate it. Yeah, Thank thanks you, for Ryan. having us on, yeah. Ryan. We'll do it again sometime. Back in a moment. All right, a lot going on today. Thanks to Don Owen. Thanks to uh, Joe Rank and Ryan Ross for being with us. And your phone calls, emails, and texts. We're back tomorrow, another couple of hours, here on Penny for Your Thoughts, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, 11 o'clock Central Time.